White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 774. I'm Brandon Marcello, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight! Santa delivered some impact recruits to Auburn's football team. The AU Wishbone is next! You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. Merry Christmas. How are you today? Merry Christmas to you as well, Van, and to our listeners. I'm well. Yes, uh, we are actually convening here at 1 o'clock my time, 2 o'clock your time, uh, in the daytime. A rare daytime sunshine shining through your windows there. Uh, uh, AU Wishbone Podcast. It's a little crazy, but Mm. it's the holiday season, and we... Wanted to get the podcast done, and this is the best time for us to do it. It is. It's the day after Christmas as we're recording this, and uh, it's been a pretty good last few days for Auburn sports, I would say. It has. It has. And you know what they say, Van, the show must go on. Mm. Yeah. Well, and the recruiting is going on, which we'll talk about. The <laughs> yes. bowl game is going to go on, which we'll talk about. The basketball team continues to do very well, which we'll talk about. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff going on, so... Uh, we're going to get all into that, but of course, the very first thing that we always have to do. It's the Auburn Fun Meter, John. It's our weekly look at how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan this week. And with everything that we just were talking about going on, I'm going to assume that your, your Auburn Fun Meter is, is not, it's not like a four, right? It's a little, probably a little higher. It is high, Van. I'm my. I really had fun as an Auburn fan in the last week or so. Yeah. I could say that the basketball team, the recruiting, it's been really good. So yeah. I can say definitively, my Auburn fun meter is right this minute is a nine. That's I an love that signing class, and I am fired up. Oh yeah, basketball, bowl games, loving it. Yeah, you you don't get a trophy for. Uh, Signing class, although I'm pretty sure Alabama's been awarding themselves trophies for theirs over the last few years. I think um, Texas A&M has a trophy for theirs. Yeah, right. Well, that's true. <laughs> but um, Texas A&M has a national championship trophy that never got filled in. <laughs> that's the greatest thing ever. But, uh, yeah, you don't get a trophy for it unless you're one of these weird places. But um, you can certainly enjoy it, and you can declare yourself to be successful, Right, it's a it's, it's it's a relative thing, and I think that when we look at the rec- recruiting class that we just had, we can certainly say that we had a successful um, recruiting haul, and uh, and then there's there's more to come with the transfer portal. It's it we didn't hit it hard going in, but I have a feeling we're going to hit some specifics uh, kind of on the on the way out. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'm going to give it an eight. Um, okay. 
just because maybe if everything else and then we like win the bowl game, I'll get up to a nine. We'll see. But uh, yeah, been a very good last few days. Uh, so let's let's kick off with uh, football recruiting in the transfer portal. What's up first on that category? Well, you have to hit the portal sound effect because I want to talk about that. Oh, oh, well, it is. That's true. We have um, we have some portal, a little bit of portal news. Freeze. Freeze. Ice freeze. Ice it winter five and frozen. Ice it freeze. Winter ice. Freeze winter winter. Freeze cold. Frosty. Ah, there it is. Um, so we had already signed uh, wide receiver Robert Lewis from Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And uh, a player that uh, Jason Caldwell compared to Eli Stove. That's Did interesting that to me. I always thought Eli Stove was a slightly underrated Auburn player. And a guy who's not a, a, a smaller slot shifty guy and not a big outside guy, but kind of an in-between guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of size and mm-hmm. in terms of where he can do things on the field guy. But a guy who was good with the ball in his hand, too. Mm, yeah. When he got the ball in his hand, good things tend to happen. So I like that comparison. Um, and then uh, right before our last show, Auburn had signed defensive lineman Gage Keys from who started his college career at Minnesota and then went to Kansas and now signed with Auburn. He'll be kind of a one-year plug-in on the defensive line, like these guys we had this year from Maryland and Purdue, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a larger ex- experienced depth piece, a guy that's played some college football. And then we signed a linebacker from Duke on kind of as a surprise on signing day, Dorian uh, Masari, who was uh, a two-year starter at Duke, had almost 200 tackles there, and a very experienced player um, and an all-academic ACC team guy. So, uh, you know, a guy who had played some college football and Auburn could use another experienced linebacker. We lost a couple of the depth pieces there who were experienced kind of one-year signees, and so he can come in and, and fill that role. So I, I feel good about what we're doing in the, in the portal. We're kind of building depth at key positions, but we're not going crazy. I'm just going to say, if you're an all-academic at Duke, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and the guy's good. from Detroit, too, so he, oh, wow. he's not soft, I'm sure. So Right, yeah, so... All right, so three specific uh, defensive linemen we definitely needed. Linebacker, I mean, we got a good recruiting class, but you still want some, you know, some some experience and whatever. And then a, a receiver that I think the consensus seems to be not only can Lewis kind of contribute early, but can kind of be a, a role model, mentor kind of guy for all these young pups that we're bringing in, and we're going to get to them in just a minute. So, right. um, what do we know? about the portal going forward because the one thing that's been said about Auburn this year in terms of the portal is that we haven't really been working it anywhere near the way we did last year. Actually, we didn't have to. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it gets two things. One is it's a prioritization of resources, especially like coaches' time and energy, but also NIL resources that we focused on the high school recruiting instead of the portal. That was a conscious choice by Freeze and the coaching staff, and I think it was the right one for the long term. Because we're playing the long-term game, we're not playing the short-term game. The goal right. is not to be, you know, the best we could be on September first, twenty twenty-four. The goal is to be the best we could be for like the next five years. And so the high school recruiting class was more important. The other thing is, I think because of the work they did last year in the signing class in the portal and this signing class, I don't think we have nearly as many gaping holes where we mm-hmm. must add signees. 
right? Right. Uh, and so I think that's, and I think the other thing is we're honestly getting within shouting distance of the of the roster cap of 85, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we're, Auburn's going to be selective because, you know, we're holding one roster spot just in case for February, um, but also, you know. Yeah, uh, we are. We sure are. <laughs> Gotta, but, that would be funny. Oh, sorry, can't, uh, can't, we don't have a spot for you. You have to go somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, so we're doing that, but also like we, uh, you know, I think we're close to eighty-five already, and I think so. Therefore, we're not. It's not like we're going to go sign ten more guys. I think there may be one or two other players in the portal we're looking at. And uh, we've tried to go after a couple of experienced offensive linemen, and we haven't landed mm-hmm. one of those yet. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happens. Good grief! The offensive lineman thing just never ends. I I did hear Freeze talking about that at a press conference, something where he said he and like the the coach are trying to figure out the deal with that. And he says, we're still working on figuring that out. And I mean, like, yeah, you and the last two coaches both. Well, I mean, some of it is like you was, you know, you want to get those guys on campus for their visit as soon as they enter the portal and then begin touring, because sometimes you can get them to sign and they don't go to another school. And that's what's happened to Albert is a couple of our targets. There was a big tackle from Fresno State and there was a guard from the, the MAC that, both toured other schools before they got to Auburn and they went ahead and signed there. And so then it was over, right? Yeah. They had planned visits to Auburn, but they never got here. Mm. So some of it is the, you know, with recruits, you want to be last, but with transfer signees, you want to be first. Um, That's so some of it is, some of it is that, and some of it is also, I think this is going to sound crazy, but last year from a transfer perspective, our offensive line was a, a giant box of playing time that was easy to hand out to everybody. That's true. And this year, players look at it and go, well, you got some guys. This is true. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, I mean, what do you – but it just seems like there's a situation where – I mean, it's not like we're running Gus's offense anymore and so people are saying, oh, don't go to Auburn if you're an offensive lineman because you won't learn anything. You won't be yes. marketable in the NFL. I mean, that's not the case anymore. I don't know what we're doing, but it's not that probably, right? So No, no. I think it's our just weird. offensive line coaches is widely respected. I think some of it is, you know, again, I think it's the prioritization. They spent a lot of time and, and energy and focused on the signing class, and now that that has landed – had gotten in the door, now they can turn around and spend more time and energy on the portal. Well, speaking of the signing class, I before we get into the exact players, I just want to I want to recognize the maturity and the um, how well the Alabama fans reacted when uh, we got when Perry, Perry Thompson, Thompson did and when we started that. talking about started about getting. Um, Ryan Williams, or Ryan Williams, Cam Coleman, Ryan. Yeah, I, I, I just they've been so mature, they've been so grown up about it. They have, I, 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 I no, they've been terrible. They're idiots. <laughs> They're absolute idiots. Well, I, I, Van, a you know a stud high school rec- receiver who's a big strong guy who went to the exact same high school that Julio Jones went to. And which has been an Alabama pipeline for years. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why they think they wouldn't get that player. I, you know, the 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 recruits said here. I mean, here's the recruits, and then here's the Alabama reaction. Then so be it. So be it. So be it. <laughs> so be it. 
Well, they'll have to just deal. They'll just have to deal with it. They'll have to deal with it. All right. So we got um, in the order you had them listed. It was early signing day, which is basically signing day now, uh, December twentieth. Amaris Williams. Right. So we headed into. I, I want to talk about this in terms of signing day itself and what we thought about signing day and the drama on signing day, and then we'll go into the breakdown of the class. So okay. on signing day itself, we went into that day thinking. We had a chance at, at three, like three or four top players: mm-hmm. Amaris Williams, KJ Bolden, LJ McRae, um, Irwin, Edwin, a, Favor, Edwin, Favor, Edwin, and there was another offensive lineman that was a, a Texas A&M uh, decommitment. And those are really the only guys that we were even talking to, thinking yeah. about, right? Yeah. Yep. And um, we, so that was the drama headed into Sunday. Not as much drama as some other years, but also because. A lot of the flips and and uh, stuff had already happened, and then Auburn got Amaris Williams. He's an absolute stud, a four-star defensive lineman from North Carolina, who's the best player in that state, and that some people have compared to Marlon Davidson. Yeah. So I mean, a big-time guy that could come in and be a difference maker on the defensive line for years to come. And he was a Florida commit for months that we flipped at the last minute. Yeah, the the whole Florida thing just because well, I wanted. To, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let me let me let me do like a quick side on that. We were talking about how the main thing that Napier had going for him was well, yes, the team has been terrible, but look at that top five recruiting class I'm putting together, and it ended up getting rated like it was the Big Twelve, <laughs> like it was the Pac-12, <laughs> right? And yes. um, and it ended up like twenty something, I believe. It really did. They, you know, they were they had an excellent class put together, like a top five class. But they were so poorly coached on the field mm-hmm. that he fired two or three assistant coaches right after the season because they had to because they had done so many dumb football things on the field. They needed to change them out. And I think one of them was the defensive line coach. And so when you do that, the defensive line commitments are looking around like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm absolutely, talk to these people. And uh, that's how it happens. Uh, but also, I think the momentum is in college ball is kind of a fickle thing. And, you know, this is where we got to give some credit to Freeze and his staff because Auburn hasn't been able to deliver like the huge, you know, win that people will say that's it. That's the, you know, the, the first big Freeze win at Auburn. That's the, we're going to build a, you know, that point forward kind of game, like a, you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. But, but they have continued to build positive momentum in the program through the signings and through the things that are happening and through the team getting better. And so I think that the roster getting better. So I think that you know, it gives people, fans, uh, people watching encouragement. Well, Napier, the, they haven't won games, but you're right. They kind of ran into this negative headwinds, uh, some of which were their, a lot of which was their own doing. And then it nuked their class. Yeah, and and when when Miami and Florida State are both putting together top ten recruiting classes, mm-hmm. it's not getting better. You're only going to get worse, Florida. You're, I mean, they. It's kind of like we've swapped places with them, and they're now the ones that are sinking into like Kentucky, South Carolina range territory, Arkansas to a degree, you know, and not being a threat at all anymore. Which is a, I mean, you know, when we think about Florida, I think about. You know, the 90s and 2000s when they were one of the top two most years teams in the conference, you know, almost always in Atlanta. Yeah. 
Yes. And now they've become Kentucky South. So that's really strange. It is strange. They wish they were as steady as Kentucky. Tennessee but. went through it, and now Florida's going through it. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee righted the ship, right? They, they kind of, well, eventually. <laughs> they did, but it was a, a long – they were in the dark ages for a long time. They were. Oh, man. They were. They – <laughs> Tennessee was in the dark ages so long when Fulmer left they just should have burned down the library like Alexandria <laughs> they just burned the library down so we're going in the dark ages baby well um, alright so we got one and then the signees you want to get into those guys because this is yeah, where it so gets then, fun right just Perry Thompson you mentioned that he did the hat trick thing like on his yeah. announcement thing he had an Alabama logo and an Auburn logo and some Auburn fans were getting nervous and then he shows up to his signing day event and he does the hat trick thing only to end up pulling out the Auburn stuff and well, signing with Auburn the way he did it was particularly trollish and I give him credit for that because he had an Auburn hat and an Alabama hat and he reached down and picked up the Auburn hat first which is the signal this is not the one it's going to be. Then he barely did anything with it, put it back down, picked up the Alabama hat, and actually had it like on his top, not on, but like on the top of his head. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's doing the switchover. Then he put that one down, unzipped his jacket to reveal the Auburn jersey, and put the Auburn hat on. And I'm like, man, you just had half the state on both sides having heart attacks. That was impressive. I know after that happened, Marcus Davis was talking to some reporters, and he said, when he gets here, I'm going to hit him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> giving me a heart attack. That's right. Well, and, and it's understandable, too, because apparently that's more or less what K.J. Bolden did. He just kept he, – he put both hats down and put the Georgia hat on, which nobody mm-hmm. saw. I, I'm, yes. I, think it, I think Freeze was saying that the night before – I mean, he didn't. He couldn't like come right out and say it. Really, he's not going to do that. But if you read between the lines what Freeze said about KJ Bolden, it was night before he was in our camp, and something happened yeah. overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, that's it. And so we, it, it was a great day for Auburn. Mm-hmm. An outstanding day could have been a little bit better. KJ Bolden, but that stuff happens. Um, and so we didn't get him. We didn't get LJ McCray. The other big defensive lineman stayed with Florida. But then the day after signing day, we did get Favre Edwin, one of the offensive linemen we were after, a kind of a, a developmental prospect to tackle, similar to uh, Prince Tega, I would say, a guy that was born in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. is a big, raw prospect that has great athletic ability but has not been playing football long. But a guy that we can redshirt. You know, and sit on the bench for a couple of years, and then bring him back out and see, you know, where he is, and maybe he'll be a starting tackle at that point. Let's talk about the receiving class because that's what everybody wants to hear. Um, yes, we got four, and I mean, there have been in most years the, I mean, think of it, we got two five stars and two four stars. Most years, just getting any one of those would be huge. Just getting the. I don't know which of the four is the least. I mean, I'm sure they're all just different, right? And one person's five-star, another person's four-star. But let's just say that one of them is the least talented of the four. Getting him in almost any other year would have been huge. And we got all four of them. Mm -hmm. And may get a fifth. We might. It is an amazing signing class in that respect. Because you're right, Malcolm Simmons and Bryce King are the lesser two of the four the lesser two in terms of mm-hmm. recruiting heralds. And 
they're both studs. They're four-star guys. They both played in the uh, you know the Mississippi Alabama All-Star game. Um, they're both difference makers and and great athletes, incredibly explosive players. And in other years, they would be you know our our A one signee a wide receiver. And I think they're not getting enough uh, you know attention because of the other two that we signed. But that's part of the deal when you sign guys like mm-hmm. you know. Pam Col- uh, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson. This is going to be a class if they can hang together and stick to, stick around a little bit. That'll be reminiscent of those receiving cores that Damian Craig threw to, that Jason Campbell threw to. Man, I'm that that made Brandon Cox look like a NFL quarterback for one season before they yes. all graduated, and he didn't look yes. like an NFL. You know, I mean, and here it is. I just looked up at the bottom two. Here, here, quote unquote, the bottom two: Malcolm Simmons and Bryce Kane. They are national one fifty seven and one fifty eight at their position twenty nine and thirty, and in the state thirteen and fourteen. So they're just dead even. There's like you could mm-hmm. flip a piece of paper between them talent wise, and those that's the two bottom guys. <laughs> then we go up to Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, who are national eight and twenty six. Position two and seven, and state one and five. I mean, and they're the same height, but Perry Thompson weighs 22 pounds more than Cam Coleman, although that'll probably change over time. But, but I mean, these guys seem like the receivers that Saban was bringing in the last 10 years. Yes. These are those guys. These are mm-hmm. those kind of guys that, mm-hmm. yeah, the Waddles, Devonta Smiths, mm-hmm. Julio Jones. Julio. Yeah. Calvin Ridley, those kind of guys, these are these players. That's the caliber of guys we signed in, with those two. They're going to be difference makers. Now, they're not going to be, you know, catching 100 passes next year and 1,000 yards. But I think our it is not hard for me to sit here and say our string of kind of uh, not great statistical performances by receivers is going to go away pretty soon. Yeah, And, and I think these – four guys that we just signed are going to rewrite the record book for receivers before they leave here. Well, there's no doubt that Freeze and and Marcus Davis could say to them, you can go to Alabama and sit behind the guys that Saban's been recruiting the last three years. You can come to Auburn and you may not start on day one, but that's up to you, right? I mean, who who is really going to push them out of a starting job if they're up to it? That's right. I mean, nobody's going to look at Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson and say, now you guys stay on the bench. We're going to put, you know, one of these transfers from Cincinnati or whatever in that that we didn't even throw the ball to this past year. Really? No, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so you're right. Those guys are going to play. That Mm -hmm. They're going to, you know, many of these guys that we signed in this class are going to go through spring practice. Many of them are already on campus and are going through bowl practice because that's allowed they've already signed and they've finished high school so they're going to have the advantage of going through all this extra practice before they get to you know next fall when some of the other signees and new players are coming on board and they'll be in a place with a you know with a lot of experience with the system with the quarterbacks and understanding what they're supposed to do and i think they could come in and make plays next year contribute because we got 0.0 from our outside receivers this year yeah nothing and I think those guy, those two guys in particular, you know, has the size and athletic ability to go out there and do something. Well, and one other thing I want to note about them: all four of them are from Alabama, and that by itself is huge. It's gigantic. It's not just that we 
signed an excellent recruiting class, and it's not just that we, you know, did all these things. It's that Auburn, I think, believes on four of the top five players in the state. I know that we signed um, three of the top six, and I think it would be four of the top six if we get. And I can't ever think of his name because Ryan of, Williams. Right, it, we've had so many players the last ten years named like Ryan Williams. You know, it's like half of our team has been. Ryan or Williams or Ryan Williams that I just can't I don't know what it is but I just for some reason that name will not stick in my head so it's going to be like uh, there have been a number of players we've had over the years that I have to ask you who that, what's the guy's name again so that's just one more but yeah Ryan Williams yeah he I it's so and he's the, that's the thing too is he's um wouldn't he be the, like the top of all of them or is he would be below Cam Coleman I'm not I mean I'm looking at the 24/7 rankings and they have him behind Coleman I think most other Sites, I think, have hit Ryan Williams first. Um, he's a little lighter weight than both of them. He's like 6'1", 165, uh, but super fast and very explosive with the ball in his hand. So you know, he's the going to sign in February, and we'll find out what happens. He's going to have in, how, in-home visits and all that uh, in January with all the coaching staffs and come to on-campus visits. So we'll hear a lot about his recruitment. But whether we sign Ryan Williams or not, this class was a giant success in shoring up the weakest position on the team. Yes. And making and, and this is the other thing I, I I think is important for people to understand about the signing class is we've had a we've had a lot of signing classes over the last ten or twelve years where we've had good rankings in the signing class and it it gave a lot of quality depth and that kind of stuff. But there wasn't a always a lot of difference makers a lot of guys that you were like this guy's an absolute stud and he's a difference maker at the sec level and i think in this class there are clearly some of those guys mm-hmm. and i feel really good about that yeah i mean you look at the you look at these players and all i can say is i want you to put the word out there that we back up understand me we back up and we got the quarterback of the future walker white who seems like just every you know he, every, from what impression we've gotten in articles written, seems like the the perfect quarterback you would want to kind of as a leader, you know, kind of able to command the huddle in the locker room and everything. That's the impression I get from him. That's cool and very talented. He's six three two fifteen, still in high school, um, seventh at his position, third in the state of Arkansas. His whole family went to Arkansas, so it's get you know we we had to get him away from Arkansas. You know, for one thing, which I'm sure they can't stand. But by the way, that's when you know you're back up is when you start pulling the top players from that are legacies from other states, right? Yes. Saban has done that forever. That's one of his calling cards. Is he'll go get he'll go into Tennessee or Florida or somewhere or Georgia and get the player that should be going to Tennessee or Florida or Georgia to come to Alabama. When we start doing that, that's when you know it's working, right? And again, Walker White was. This is one of these guys we talk about all the time. He's been committed for so long, people have forgotten about him and don't appreciate him. He's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. So a a guy that would be the crown jewel in many other classes is another stud player in this class. That's exactly yeah. And I'll, the other thing I want to say, talking about this class, is that people have said, well, but Gus recruited classes that were about this highly ranked as well, and it's true. And I mean, we've had a, we had a lot. We had a lot of great players that Gus brought in. You can't, nobody can deny that. And um, the thing was, those classes, a lot of the top players, it seemed like Gus's best players 
tended to be kind of the middle of the class and worked out to be really good. But it and with the, there are some exceptions like Derek Brown, but it always seemed like for the most part the top top players that he would manage to bring in the equivalent of a Cam Coleman or something. The, when the ones that Gus was able to get always seemed to be like the projects that wouldn't work out. And we talked about it. Within a year or two, they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so we always have said mm-hmm. Gus's top ten recruiting classes. A lot of it was an illusion because two years later there wouldn't be anybody from it left on the team. Well, like you said, there'd be the guys that had den- the, the low four stars, three, high three star guys they had identified and mm-hmm. had scouted well and developed well. Those players turned into the starters and, and difference makers, and the, the highly recruited guys who were supposed to be that were gone. They're gone, right? Yeah, some running backs, linemen, just you know, all over the field. It would always end up being like some linebacker or running back that was like a three. St- yeah, he would be the one that ended up being like, oh, we're going to get him in the NFL. You know, like the perfect example is the defensive back that we had. He started as a receiver, right? Defensive back from like Lochapoka or whatever. Oh, Noah Igbenyagany. Igbenyagany, yeah. Nobody wanted him but us, and he worked out it to be a great Gus Malzahn player. But that was the kind of player that Gus always was able to bring in that was good. It was never the Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson type player. Those just, again, without with a few exceptions, Derek Brown, a couple others, those just never seemed to pan out. And I don't know what it was or why. I don't know if I blame Gus or not. And we'll see if these guys pan out. I mean, who knows? But, but this, to me, this class, even if it's quote-unquote only the seventh-ranked class in the country, it has a qualitative feel to me that's different. It, it feels more like... You know, it's like if you're buying a stock portfolio, Gus might have a bring in a recruiting class, you know, potato. We won't even talk about, but Gus would bring in one that, oh, it's some, it, it, you know, it's some, it's some. You have a chance to make some money on these stocks, but but they're not like Coca-Cola and mm-hmm. Delta Airlines and stuff. Apple, Apple. This feels a little more like that, right? This feels a little yeah. more like that kind of stock. So maybe exactly. I'm wrong, but that's how I feel about no, it. No, I think that's reasonable. And I think there have been coaching staffs at Auburn in the past who recruited players to because they were highly rated on, by recruiting services. And I don't think any of that was happening here. I think we were recruiting guys who were really good at football. Yeah, and we're going to certainly see. Um, let's see. So linebackers, we didn't talk about them yet, but the word was that in any, other, any other year, this linebacker class would be all the buzz. They just kind of got overshadowed. And, and, and you know, like we've had – some talented players at linebacker, but we haven't had a bunch of difference maker, all SEC kind of players there. We've kind of taken the smaller, scrappier guys and turned, you know, or transfers mm-hmm. and had decent linebackers out of them. But, you know, it, with linebackers and edges, Demarcus Riddick, Jamonta Waller, Joseph Phillips, um, and DJ Barber, like those guys are going to be fine. Um, I think we really upgraded the explosiveness and athletic ability at our linebacker position. I think those are, you know, uh, tall, explosive, physical players that are fast, can run sideline to sideline, and can get pressure, can cover, can can hit. And I think, you know, they're not like uh, the, you know, guys that we've taken sometimes in the past. I think these guys were, you know, the guys that let's be clear that Georgia, Alabama, or other schools wanted to be their linebackers, and we took them away and signed them. And I think that's a position where, you know, two years from now, you're going to see a complete transformation from what's happened in the last five years on linebacker when these guys are all playing. That's it's going nice. to be like we're playing a different sport a little bit. 
Um, there's also, and I don't see him listed, the kicker. So Towns McGo is the walk-on, preferred walk-on kicker. And they, Auburn is actually doing what you and I talked about doing on this podcast about a year ago or so. Mm. When we first started talking about NIL, mm. he's a walk-on, but they are using NIL to contribute to him an amount with NIL that will be the equivalent of a scholarship. Well, if only somebody had thought of that before. Oh, wait. That's yeah, crazy town. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're doing with this kicker. And then, you know, when our current kicker graduates and goes on in the NFL uh, because the he's scully. a stud – um, when that happens, then this guy will move on to scholarship. What a brilliant idea. Right. So, and I mean, the only question in my mind was how long has McPherson been there? Is he in his second? Was this his second year? It was his second year. Okay. So and, he's got, a, a, I mean, again, he could go pro next year after his you know, junior season, the rare kicker going pro, yeah, right? Right. But, you know, uh, it may be unlikely to happen. Um, so, because he, I believe he redshirted last year and then kicked uh, this year as a redshirt freshman. Did so. he? Did he kick some for Anders when Anders was hurt, or am I like misremembering everything? I I feel like no, he did. He did some kickoffs and some of the long kicks. I think when Anders was hurt, but not enough to burn a year of eligibility. Okay, has he kicked a? Did he kick a field goal in twenty twenty two? Because I, if he did, he did. He did when Anders was hurt. He went three for seven last. No, he okay. went. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He went six for seven last year. So he's missed he's one missed. field goal ever. Yes. See, that's what I was wondering: is if he's ever missed. Okay, he missed one field goal, and it was probably some inconsequential one against like La Tech or something. I don't even remember. But um, that would be funny though, because he's made. He he didn't miss. I can't remember. I mean, we've had a lot of great kickers. We were just talking about this on Twitter. Talking about this the other day that we've had, we talked about this a lot. We've had a lot of great kickers, but I don't remember any of them never missing till now. So of he's, course the bowl he's game. an absolute stud and and the definite successor in that line of great kickers and dynasty kicker. You dynasty. Hope, hopefully, and hopefully, our new signee will be the next kicker in that great dynasty. What a great name, Towns Magoo. That that that, that sounds like a. Like a jazz singer woman from World War II era. But I love it. I love that name. All right. I have to find a soundboard, something for that. There's got to be something. Uh, let's see. So what have we not covered now? We've talked about the receivers, the quarterback, the linebackers, the kicker. I mean, again, we got some other players that we signed, you know, that had offensive linemen, defensive linemen, some secondary guys. Yeah. Uh, gotta, and we're going to need those. We're going to need those because they're leaving or gone. Yeah. A lot and of I turnover. Think, I, a hundred percent, and again, I think some of the, in particular, like we signed, we have a, a junior college safety, Laquan Robinson. I think he could step in. Um, I think a couple of the defensive linemen, you know, uh, T.J. Lindsey, I think is a really good player. We blocked him. Those guys, you normally say like, oh, we like to redshirt them, but yeah, they have the potential to be depth pieces next year, and they may come in and make some plays in the same way that our big freshman defensive lineman did this year. So. Um, so bowl practice is almost done. I mean, it's like before you even realize they practiced some in Auburn. And I think now this is the 26th as we record this, they're getting ready to head to Nashville, right? That's it. Do a couple practices there. Then it's game time. He don't, he doesn't want to wear them out, make them do too much. Um, we're going to see if they do want to get the young guys, you know, to time to practice, especially positions where they haven't played a lot. So. 
Oh, yeah. The defensive backs in particular, I mean, we're going up against a – even though the quarterback for Maryland's not going to play, they'll be, play, they'll be playing a quarterback, and they clearly have a passing offense, and they have passing coaches that we know, and, and they have receivers apparently. So Because um, you can't have done the things that Talio did without – uh, without some people that can catch the ball. So we're going to need defensive backs to step up come December yes. 30th, right? I mean, we're going to need them to be there, be ready to go. No, you're right. They, It's not optional. They have to be ready to play, and they have to be ready to go from the first minute, and we're going to need some depth, right? It can't just be one deep because they're going to play three or four receivers the whole game. We're going to have to be cycling guys in that. So there's going to be a lot of new guys uh, that, you know, I hope it's not like uh, we're looking up their number because of what happened on that deal. You were supposed to be covering that guy. We don't want any of that to happen. Well, while let's just roll on into that while we're talking about right. it then. So, so the other position that I'm a little concerned about in terms – you mentioned depth for the defensive backs is the receivers because we were already kind of shallow on receivers to begin with, at least in terms of pass catchers that can catch the ball. And now a couple of them are transferring or not going to play or whatever, so – we, we're going to have to – we may be running some strange – we may be out there in the wishbone. <laughs> we may well, have to go think, out there in the wishbone. So Fairweather announced he's coming back next year, right? Yeah. Javaris Johnson is gone, but Jay Fair and Caleb Burton and Fairweather, I think, will all be there. Uh, Camden Brown has not entered the transfer portal, so here's a shot for him to come out and play and make some plays and either show off before he enters the portal or to, you know, show off and, and – help secure his spot on the depth chart for next year before these freshmen come in and blow by him. Mm-hmm. But I really look at it as like uh, Fairweather, Jay Fair, and Caleb Burton are the three guys we're going to be throwing the ball to outside of the running backs maybe. so. Yeah. I bet there's going to be a lot of throwing to the running backs. I'm just concerned about having enough bodies out there every play that you can have any kind of a rotation and, and put people out there and, and uh, they're not exhausted and they're not uh, – you know, yeah. I mean, so we'll see. So, but maybe you're right about the running backs. Maybe a Jeremiah Cobb, uh, Brian Batie, a little more in the receiving end. Yes, they both have that potential for sure. Yeah. By the way, the we're still kind of got one toe in recruiting here as we're talking about the Music City Bowl. We didn't really make any effort to get a running back this time around, did we? I mean, if, weren't we in the running? You'll pardon the expression for one guy he decommitted or something. We had one guy committed. He decommitted, I think, it was a mutual parting of the ways. Yeah. Part of it is, I think Auburn thinks they're going to roll into next year with these same four running backs. Mm-hmm. That we're going to have, yeah. you know, the guys we had on this year's team. Um, and we, you know, Hunter, Alston, Petit, Cobb, that if we bring all four of those guys back, we don't need another running back. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not a bad yeah. little room, as they say. And then we could go out and get a guy or two for next year to replace the potential losses, but we don't need to worry about it right now. Are you happy with uh, standing pat on Peyton Thorne and Gurner? I am. I mean, I get it in terms of people are like, oh, we could go get somebody you know, potentially better. But I also know, like, we talked about this a gazillion times in this podcast. I think a lot of the problems were the you know, the help that they got or didn't get from the receivers. Mm-hmm. I think we had a lot of guys who couldn't get open against good defenses and couldn't make a play with the ball in their hands. And I think the one guy we we definitely had that could do that, Javaris Johnson's leaving. So I think it's I think that we these freshmen coming in and this you know this uh, transfer signing from Georgia State. I think those guys are important because I think that matters. But also I think. Thorne going through spring practice mattered. We talked about that, that he was kind of a summer 
signee and uh, showed up in the middle of summer and then went through fall practice, I think him going through spring practice will put him in a much better position to succeed. And I think you'll see the offense be much more effective in the passing game at the start of next season. Yeah, I felt like one of the things that Freeze was pointing to when he was justifying the decision not to really pursue another quarterback was that the best, a lot of the best quarterback performances this past season came from transfers in their second year at this current school, like Bo Nix. Yes. Yes. And so he's like, let's don't start all over yet again. Let's give Thorne the chance to be what he. Because we talked about this when we first got Thorne, that he was good that first year at Michigan State when he had receivers around. You know, I think the way Freeze put it was, when he had NFL receivers to throw to, he was you know he was good. So, you know, let's uh, let's see what he can do with uh, the the downside is if he can't, <laughs> if we if we see what he can do and what we see is that he can't, yeah, you're kind of it's him and Holden Garner and and then that's it. But I also think like. The coaches had been there every day with him in practice and in the meeting room and stuff. And if they felt like he couldn't do it, they'd go get somebody else. You know? Do we they'd have make a, it, oh, they'd make it more of a priority? Hank Brown is the one I always forget, right? right. Who have an emergency third quarterback. But I mean, I, in my mind, maybe Walker White's emergency third quarterback. Like, I think he could come yeah. in next year and <laughs> make some plays in fall practice. And people are like, forget about Gerner and Hank Brown. He, you know? So. I, I would hate it for holding Gurner. Are you surprised that they didn't get Gurner in more this past year? I just I felt like how can you keep him on the string and hardly I mean he played in like what one drive of one game maybe? I get it, but he was the third string quarterback and it's not elementary school. I mean, uh it's a position where only one player can play at a time. Yeah. And we tried to play two players at one time. <laughs> it did not go well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I, you know, I'm not stunned by that. I, I, Auburn wasn't in a bunch of blowout games, you know, right? I mean, he played some at the end of the Arkansas game, which you and I witnessed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, we needed the snaps for Thorne. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's true. So the um, – to finish up the bowl, so we've got all we've got Maryland, uh, one o'clock Central, two o'clock Eastern on ABC on Saturday. Um, I believe Tiger Walk is at eleven o'clock in the morning Central Time, outside the uh, I forget which part of the stadium. I saw the little notice about it, but about um, um, but um, I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to try to do it in a day trip. We're going to try to go up early, drive down there. Uh, hopefully get there in time for Tiger Walk. We don't know. We'll see. Um, go to the game, then go grab some food and head out of town in a hurry. So, uh, and be back here for the day is over. We'll see how that works. Um, we did it before. We did it for the 2018 with Purdue, which was a lot of fun. That was a fun trip. It wasn't too cold that day. I think it's going to be colder this time. So I'm a little concerned about the weather, but we'll see. Uh, their quarterback, Talia Tagovailoa, is not going to play. He's opting out. Is he gone, gone, or just not playing in the bowl game? Or what's yeah. what's his word? Uh, funny story. Again, he's used all of his college eligibility. He and his representatives have made rum, you know, kind of rumbling noises that he might transfer somewhere to play and challenge the NCAA's limits on his eligibility. Really? Wow. Yes. Which well, he picked know. Maryland. What? I mean, you know, he, no, no, just, I know. He would transfer. He's going to challenge. 
you're only letting me play four years of college football. That's the rule that he's <laughs> talking about challenging. <laughs> he should just be a, if that if that works out, we need to go back and get Cam Newton back and uh, both. Well, I was going to say up. it's open season at that point. We have some yeah. eighth year oh quarterbacks, gosh. but so I you know I think he's basically going to go to the NFL at that point if things fail. So that's that's where we're going. Is I don't, I don't think he's a top. I think I don't think he's a top NFL prospect. I think he's a late later round guy, but a guy who would get you know drafted and be a backup somewhere probably. So, oh, you know who? I, by the way, I did see um, it was on an NFL roster this past week was uh, Shedrick Jackson. Yes, he is because he blocks and because he can play special teams. Mm-hmm. So coaches love him. There you go. Uh, and it, it, clearly, one of the most underrated Auburn players in the last ten years. I think. Yeah. And Bo's nephew or whatever. Mm-hmm. Shedrick Jackson Turner, the closing of the American frontier, but the opening of the NFL. That's pretty nice, pretty nice. Um, the other, the other yeah. thing about the bowl game I think is really interesting is like they're do, the helmet. College football is exploring this technology thing. Yeah. And this is really, it was supposed to happen anyway, but it's also really important because of all the stuff with Michigan and the signs dealing and stuff, right? Jeez. The way you get around that forever is you just go to the NFL thing where – the quarterback and the middle linebacker have, you know, uh, headsets in their helmets, and they can hear the the play call, and they just tell everybody else what it is. So then there's no signaling, and we're not stealing your signals and that kind of stuff. So College Football had said they were going to test it this year to collect some data, and this in the bowl games, this because they're exhibitions, right? They're not real games, and so this bowl game is one of the games they're. Uh, doing that in, and so Maryland has chosen to use the radios and helmets. And Auburn has said we will not do that. But they, the other thing that's the technology piece is they'll use the, you know, kind of the sideline. They have like Microsoft service tablets. They look at replays and draw stuff up there and share it with each other on the sideline while the game is going on. Which currently in college football, you're not allowed to use any kind of technology like that on the sideline. <laughs> so that we will see Auburn, and I'm sure the broadcast will talk this to death while it's going oh. on. Good gosh! One, yes, you're right. Oh, we're gonna hear one, so much. I was. About. I'm preparing you now for that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, did you know that they have radios in the helmets? The quarterback in the middle linebacker. Right? That's incredible. Let's talk about that. Did you know Jared Stems from Texas? <laughs> <laughs> did you know that Bobby Humphrey used to sell Coca Colas in Legion Field during the Iron Bowl? That was the never original, heard, John. Never heard that before. That was the <laughs> I defy our audience. Is that not the original that got run to death? Before any of these others. I mean, they're probably one of the 70s that we know. Where Keith Jackson is like, well, you know, um, Frank, uh, well, you know, Frank, old, uh, old Bear once told me. And then something that I don't remember. But, yeah, the first one I remember being running to the ground was Bobby Humphrey sold Coca-Cola's in, uh, as an usher. That's in it. Newtonfield. Yeah. <sighs> Bobby Humphrey. All right. Uh, anything else about the bowl game? What are we thinking about the bowl game? We, we, we barely touched on the bowl game a lot as an actual Auburn contest the last couple of weeks. What are we thinking about it? We talked a little bit about it last week in terms of the, you know, which team will show up, who's going to be motivated, right? We've yeah, seen them running the board right. games. You don't know. Yeah. But I, th- so what I hear Freeze talking about, he wants the players to have fun and a reward and all that kind of stuff. Does that mean they're going to be laser focused to come out and play Maryland or they're going to be like, hey, let's go have fun out there? So um, I think that they are going to, you know, Auburn's going to uh, come out and attempt to win. But, and I think Maryland's going to, do as well, but I think the difference is, you know, Maryland's going to be missing their quarterback, and without him, you know, I think their offense is, doesn't scare me. They're not a good running team, um, and I think we can run the ball on them, and they can't run the ball on us. So, 
can their backup quarterback come in and throw for 350 yards on us? Like, I don't, even at the young secondary, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so I think Maryland is very much in the category of like, like a mid-level big conference team who plays well against everybody else. But then when they play the top, top teams, they have, they get exposed a little bit. So they got exposed when they played Michigan and Ohio state and Penn right. state and went, but they were fine when they were playing Illinois or Rutgers or whatever. So I don't know if you, if that's Kentucky in our scenario or somebody in that ballpark, I think that's where they are kind of, they have some good players. Um, but I think they don't have enough uh, difference makers. And I think if so, if Auburn is, you know, is focused or ready to play, I think, I think we could win. I think it's going to be, you know, uh, we're going to run the ball and um, push them around a little bit. So I think it'd probably be like in the upper twenties, you know, like 28, 20, something like that. It occurs to me that, Okay, for one thing, Gus. Well, let me back up by going forward. Uh, in the two, in in the one and three quarter year regime of potatoes, we we won no bowl games. We went to one and lost, and we did a big potato. Um, under Gus, in all his years, we won two bowl games: the Birmingham Bowl against Memphis. And, and it's funny, Gus really. Statistically, Gus's worst Auburn team, I think you could say 2015 was his worst overall team. His worst team won a bowl game, won the Birmingham Bowl over Memphis. And then the other one, the more recent bowl win of the two, was the last one I was at. It's the last time Auburn won a bowl game, which was over Purdue. Purdue. In, in Nashville in 2018. And we, I mean, that was... The great the great Purdue massacre. <laughs> oh, yeah. The... We boil them, boilermakers. Ooh, but um, but yeah, I was there. So I would love to keep the tradition alive of us winning bowl games when I show up. <laughs> that would be very nice. Uh, but what was the deal? I mean, we love Gus, but what was the deal with why could he just never get better at bowl winning? I got to get better at bowl winning. Maybe because a lot of times the bowl game was a you know just an exhibition reward kind of thing and. He, you know, was going to let the players have more fun. Yeah, it, it. People have said he didn't make good adjustments. Well, you saw what happened the other night. I mean, I that was one one of the games in the bowl pick'em that I made a lot of hay on was the Georgia I, Tech game. Yeah, I said Georgia Tech has been trending up lately. They lost to Georgia, but duh, you know, everybody did almost. But they played well. Um, they were been Georgia Tech had been trending up all season, and um, Central Florida. I had no reason historically to expect them for various reasons that should be obvious to listen to this program. I had no reason to suspect that they were going to do exceptionally well. And so I picked, uh, I picked uh, Georgia Tech. Central Florida got to a 14 to nothing lead. Looked like they were just going to run roughshod over Georgia Tech. And I think they scored three points the rest of the game. So what – I just wish I understood why. Oh, and I guess uh, inadvertently – This has been the Central Florida Golden Knights Report. I didn't mean for it to be, but it kind of de facto became that, so I might as well give it give it the closing credits. So yeah, I just I don't know. I just wish I understood why. Because again, we always want Gus to do well, and we love him as a person, and I just I just can't understand why his teams just can't win bowl games. But and they went they ended up with a losing season. He never had a losing season. With us, no. 
they went six and seven. So yeah, well. Um, anything else about the football team before we take a quick look at basketball? Nope. Let's go to let's go to basketball. The happy place. I need to get a basketball theme song when we transition over, don't I? They're playing basketball. Wrong. I think we just just clip that and play it. Yeah, I'll just put that into the soundboard. So, all right, we played Alabama State in a game that, for like the first five minutes, looked like, dear Lord, everything that we can possibly do wrong, we're going to do. We like we weren't. Even, they looked like they didn't know what they were. They didn't know what the sport was for five minutes, and then they got their act together. And uh, and and like many of Bruce's teams, when everything else is going wrong, they can play defense, right? We we mm-hmm. the the one thing we've said in and over and over the last several years is when an Auburn basketball team under Bruce, when it's having trouble scoring and it's turning the ball over, and we were doing that against Alabama State at first, when that happens, the one thing we can do is stop the other team from pulling away. Yes. Until we get our feet under us. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But they clamped down on defense and never let Alabama State get anything going so that once they actually got the offense going and quit turning the ball over, they look, they pulled away and looked great. And, and it, I think at one point they were up like 30, right? And then they kind of yeah. settled at the I mean, end. Into- what, one by 20, but yeah, you're right. We, it, this team has shown the, this kind of tendency to spurt, especially kind of when we start – when the, our team, the other team starts substituting, that's when we're starting to pull away. Because they've got they've got ten starters, and honestly, Berminator is the eleventh starter, and he plays a lot early. And it's really interesting how you know we have our starting lineup that's really good, and when they struggle, it's like we put a whole different Auburn team in, and they might match up better, and we look better then, you know, because like and. And we and you're right with the other, the defense thing because they don't let the pressure up on defense for a millimeter. No, so like the the starting lineup includes Aiden Holloway, Janai Broom, and um, a couple of the new guys, and Denver then Jones, Chad Baker, Mazzara, and Jaylen. yeah, yeah, and then oh, and Jalen's been a starter for sure lately the way he's been playing. And then when you put the second string in, quote unquote, it's really just five other starters because Trey Donaldson's fantastic. There are arguably, I would say that over the course of this season, Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway have been about even with each other, honestly. I don't think either one of them has been head and shoulders above the other. They've both been great. Oh, that's right. And the two of them together have yeah. given Auburn, I, I have no problem saying this, I think the best point guard play of any team in the country for 40 minutes. Other mm-hmm. teams may have one great starter who's a little bit better than those two guys, but their backup isn't on the same planet. Right. So then they're there's no drop off. off I think. Yes. Yeah, there's no drop off. And neither one of them has exhibited what I really want to see out of them, which is the Javon McCormick, Jared Harper, take it to the rim. Neither one of them has done that, but they can shoot long shots. They can dish it, get the assist. Very impressive. They don't turn um, it over. They don't turn it over. Oh, they don't turn it over. Right, right. Leadership, command. Okay, so you put that second string, string in there, quote-unquote, and you have Trey Donaldson. You have Dylan uh, Cardwell, who's playing his best basketball of his career right now. He's yes. actually scoring, not just knocking the ball down and being big KD Johnson. Uh, you have KD. Um, you know, that second wave, uh, Chris Moore, that second wave – that's a that's a good team. 
And again, there are opponents that they've played against. They've played, they've matched up better than the starting crowd in some cases. That's so, right. um, and Dylan brings that extra defense more than even than Broom does. You know, Broom has to watch about fouls. It seems like he has to be kind of careful because he's more useful on the offensive end. Whereas Dylan just goes out there and murders people for a living, and it's it's nice. He just he takes he care five of business. Fouls to give, and he's going to give them. He's going to give them, boy. That's right. So I really love this team. This is a, I, I tell you, it's like the what is this like the fifth, sixth Auburn team in a row. Eh, the Sharif Cooper team. Eh. This is like the fifth Auburn team in the last several years that I just love. I love watching them. They've got personality. They're fun, and they win. Last, last year's team, the offense was a grind sometimes. and It was yeah. tough to watch them play offense on series. <laughs> yeah, this team is much better on that side. Uh, but you're right. They play incredibly hard, and I appreciate that. And I think I was worried about rebounding. Hasn't been a, a, a huge problem so far. No, they've been rebounding really well. They have. Last year's team it was a very weird thing where people couldn't adjust to it at first, and they dominated and were number one. They, I mean, but we had a we had basically a power forward as our shooting guard, and and from there everything kind of cascaded and weird. It was just weird. It was a weird angle. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So um, they let's see. They've got. UT Chattanooga coming up Saturday late, eight o'clock Central, nine o'clock Eastern. Woo! So and they that game was supposed to be earlier, but they moved it to later because of the bowl game. Actually, so Auburn fans would have a chance to watch the bowl game and then watch that later. So, oh, okay. So let's see. Maybe you might we'll be get, listening to that on your way home if you're not. Yeah, home yet. I was gonna say. Yeah, our, so our game is at uh, what at one o'clock here. Is that what I said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, uh, so that means two, three, four, thirty. We'll be going five, six, eight, seven, eight, nine. Two, yeah, yeah. We're going to listen to it in the car. We'll listen to it in the car. That'll be all right. We'll get it. Um, and then, um, but I'm glad they're going to kind of like stack them like that. That's cool. And then Tuesday, January second, they're back against UPenn, right? The Quakers. The Quakers. That ought to be a good game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> There it is. I'm, I'm, I'm look. I'm clicking. I'm dropping off the podcast after that. Play. <laughs> was, that was how are they not playing Alabama with, with Nate Oates? Come on. How does how is that oh. not happen? <laughs> how are they not playing Alabama? Is my what I demand to know. I know, I demand an investigation into how they're not playing Alabama with Nate Oates. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm assuming that they're a Ivy League team that like yeah. has five little short guys that try to shoot three pointers and run the back door cut a lot. That's it. That'll be fun. It's always a challenge. All right. Um, so the SEC schedule probably gets going pretty soon after that, right? I mean, we'll probably be That's playing. It. We get in January. It's SEC schedule time. There it is. Yeah. And Ole Miss still hadn't lost. What the heck, man? Is it, all, is it all our former player and our former coach? I mean, I think they, again, their head coach was at a big school and was high regarded and was fired for – Reasons and uh, but they who, assembled some good talent around him. Who is it? Um, oh, I could have said it before you asked me that. I question. now I have to look it up. I, I I don't really keep track of Ole Miss basketball other than that we they got uh, one of Chris, our players. Chris Beard. Everybody is now fav- feverishly listening as John and I Google um, Chris Beard. Yeah, yeah. But they got um, Alan Flanagan obviously from us, and they yes. got his dad as an assistant coach, which is weird. 
So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I haven't paid them any attention. Have they been? Uh, has Has Flanagan been playing well? Is he turning the ball yeah, over? Is he, play, no, has he recovered I, I from him, his? I actually injury? watched them play somebody the other night. He was pretty good. Good. Well, I'm glad for Allen. I mean, we, we always liked him. Oh, Flan. We want him to do well. Sure. I just don't want him to do well against us, but anybody else is fine. All right. Well, anything else about basketball? And then we'll go into our... No, since you asked, like the, uh, we played Penn on Tuesday, the 2nd of January. On Saturday, January 6th, we play at Arkansas, Auburn in Fayetteville on the afternoon of January 6th. So At Arkansas. Is there a game on the 12th while you got that up? No. We play uh, We play on Tuesday the 9th, and then we play on the 13th, hmm. which I guess is Saturday the 13th. The 12th is a Friday. Yeah. Oh, I'm well aware the 12th is a Friday. I finally don't have to have faculty meetings on my birthday. I'm so excited. My birthday always falls during faculty meeting week, and it's just excruciating. So Friday, I'm, I'll be free as a bird. I will not be... We'll wrap all that stuff up Thursday night, and I'll be able to enjoy myself on my birthday once every, twice every seven years or so. Good, good, good. All right, let's see. So, we've um, our next. This was obviously, as we've said, an, uh, an odd recording time, uh, recorded on the twenty sixth on on a uh, Tuesday rather than the day, which is the day it usually goes up, or people usually listen to it. Should I go ahead and post this this afternoon, or post it early tomorrow morning? I what say do you fired away when you're ready. Fired away. All right, it'll go up in the afternoon. It'll still be out on a Tuesday, just a little bit, a few hours later than normal. I just won't have to stay up till midnight editing it for, and posting it for once. This is a good most thing. important thing. I'm planning on. I'll, all right, I'll edit this one. I'll post it, and then I'm going to go start cooking the cornbread. Ooh, I got a big bag of Martha White. I'm ready to cook some cornbread, John. I did go at it. I wasn't able to cook it for for Christmas dinner yesterday. Because we needed the oven for other stuff, and I was sad, and, and my wife is like, well, cook it tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm going to cook it tomorrow, so I'm going to cook it tonight. Um, all right, so our next episode will also be recorded probably at a weird time because of New Year's Day. I guess that's when all the football games are. We'll be watching football and stuff, and then we can talk about them on our show the next day. We will. And um, so it'll be up on uh, Wednesday the 3rd at some point that afternoon or that night. Uh, I have to say, people have been asking about first time ever. John, we ended up moving, I think, it ended up being something like 175 copies of that book, along with quite a few copies of the other books as like extras. You know, people wanted more than just the one. We sold a lot of first time ever's. And, and people were tweeting about it and saying how they were happy to have them and they got them for presents and stuff like that. So that makes me very happy. It makes me happy too. Yeah. So that that's done. The Kickstarter's over. And if I turn this little camera around to show my floor down here, John would see there's only like two books left in the floor. One of those I think is for Mark Murphy, and one of those is for the last Kickstarter person that has not given me their address. So there's two books left, and there's two people I need their address. And then once that's over, it's done. It's done. Um, I'm out. I'm out of books, and it takes like a month to get more. So our thinking is we're just going to – let the book go out to Amazon and bookstores and stuff, and we'll do a book signing whenever we can. We were talking earlier today, maybe Birmingham even, in addition to Auburn, if that works it's out. It's been we'll, suggested. We're definitely going to do a book signing in Auburn, but we're considering yeah. our other options there. Talk, so if you have a, if yeah. you have been to a book signing in Birmingham that you liked, 
the location and stuff, let us know. I'm I'm thinking that probably it's gonna it would probably be like Books a Million uh, out on two eighty and four fifty nine, the summit area. Or Legion Field. <laughs> next to the Bear Bryant statue. We can just set up a little table next to the bear. That would certainly be the appropriate place for that book because there's a lot in that book about bear and Legion Field, man. There's a lot. Yeah, I'm really happy with that book. I'm glad people are liking it. I want to keep hearing more reports back from people that have read it because I really feel like that's this our that's our best work. I, I, the basketball book's great too. I think I, I have very exacting standards. I don't just say this. You know, I think that I think we've gotten better and better at this, and I think that these last two have really, really. Uh, been pretty close to what I was hoping they'd be. In fact, one of the reasons I'm so excited about First Time Ever is that it ended up exceeding what I thought it could be, as we, as you and I have talked about, because in the research, finding all that stuff that went all the way back to 1893, I was like, it's this book got juicier than I expected it to be, right? Because I didn't know about that. It did. I agree with you. I think it's really good and I'm proud of it but I it was very satisfying to me to see people tweeting about getting it for Christmas and being excited so yes that's really cool all right so no more mailing out hardcover signed copies that's done but you will be able to get it probably hardcover certainly paperback coming up uh, in a couple of months or something when we figure that all out um, but we appreciate everybody that backed the, the Kickstarter let's see um, do you want to talk about the uh, before I do the patrons? Do you want to talk about the bowl pick'em where that stands right now? Because I yeah. brief for five minutes, I was in first place, and then I'm not anymore. Fleeting is fame. Oh, um, so, as if you are a patron of the AU Wishbone, you get to participate in fun activities like this. We'll also do a, a college basketball uh, NCAA tournament bracket when the time comes. But we're doing a bowl pick'em on ESPN, and we're having fun competing in that and. We have a lot of people that are participating. Uh, and at this moment, uh, in first place uh, is Soul Trombone possession. Tiger. Yeah. Hmm? Soul Possession. Soul Possession. Uh, he's in first place at 13 and 5. And then there is a group one game back of him at 12 and 6 that includes <laughs> Van Al Mexico. Yes. And also. Uh, a, an entry from David Saban's titled Smoke Weed Every Day. <laughs> so. Smoke Weed Every Day. There you go. That's right. I I want to point out Eric Morgan, who always does well in our various activities, frighteningly well, annoyingly well. <laughs> he was in first place like the whole week, the whole first week. And he's dropped back behind Trombone Tiger. But um, but he's tied with me and David and a couple of and Mark Sandy for second right now. So this really fun, really competitive. And your daughter was tied for yeah. second for a while too. She was she's yeah, I think in she's she's at third now. Also tied at third is uh, Jared who's who's yes. is titled Guess the Game Frowny Emoticon. Guess <laughs> <laughs> the game frowny face. That's the best. Yeah. This if 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 Jared's if Jared's name for for the uh, for the bowl pick'em had a sound effect, it would be Well, surely that's... No! Oh, no, okay, it wasn't. Um, 
Yeah, so I I understand. I understand. But uh yeah, so we got like sixty something people playing and it's really competitive, it's very close. You're not too far down. Well, right? wait, I'm well again, I have a losing record right now, but it's a lot a lot of bowl games coming up. Oh yeah. I've been using the advanced stats to pick games and it's not <laughs> been working for me, so I've shifted a few things around for the home stretch here. So I just use pure intuition, like Gus is coaching, I'm going the other way. And it worked out, man. Or like I got the South Florida one because I said they look good against Alabama, I'm going with them and it worked out you know you but here was the thing though there was one day so far that we had wall we had like six bowl games and on that day every one of them was an upset except for the georgia state and so that was the day when there were people that were undefeated there were people that had one loss and now nobody has fewer than five losses because that day i was it like Two or three days ago? Yeah, it was Saturday before Christmas. It was a bloodbath. Oh, it was a bloodbath. Absolute bloodbath. Everything that you thought went out the window, right? Good old Georgia State, the only one that came through. So, All right, so that's fun. Um, that's, uh, what you, that's one of the things you get to do if you are a patron. Uh, go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange button to become a patron. You can do fun stuff like this because, obviously, we're going to have the uh, the NCAA basketball tournament coming up pretty relatively soon, and you want to be in on the ground floor of that, right? Have fun. That's a good one, too. So www.auwishbone.com. Here are the fine folks currently keeping the lights on in the palatial studios. They include... They include... Samuel uh, Samuel Salvatore. Tonight's forecast: a freeze is coming. With pearl white snow. Uh, Carl von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Doctor Crackham, Logan Chilton. <laughs> Logan Chilton says. <laughs> hey, we're keeping him around, though. We're keeping uh, apparently keeping. Uh, uh, Lord Montgomery around a little bit longer, right? We are. We'll so see. We'll see. That seems to be the key term. Yeah, we'll see. Sa- uh, let's see. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David WDE, Salmons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU fan at KSC. Uh, Mark says, oh, I love this. If Carol Shelby would have seen Billy Napier on Wednesday, he would have said. I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I've been enjoying those. Uh, let's see. Matt Flowers, I believe who we met in Arkansas, right? Michael yep. Kirshner. Phil Amthor says... No! No! Man. No, I'm the, devastated! The existential I'm angst. devastated! They're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! <laughs> no! <laughs> I could Oh my God! The next time we do the AU Wishbone TV broadcast, y'all are gonna. I'm gonna. You you, you have to do it, John. You can't. You have to. I don't know uh, what you talk. About. <laughs> God, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. Ah, he's he's doing it right in front of me. It's the best. <laughs> Richard Stevens, I'm sorry, Richard, I'm mangling your name. Steve Travick, Susan Travick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, when Carol wants a Zoe Slaughter jersey for Christmas. Alex Browns, Auburn Football's Elvis, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D. Salmons, Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster at... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! Um, I wanted to... 
Davids. Oh, okay. We have David Emma. Okay. Uh, Boris says, bring back Guess the Game. I have a feeling Boris didn't say that. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Santa Boris is upstairs today. Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, In-Home Hugh. I like that. In-Home Hugh. Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Uh, let's see. We have the old... Um, I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Yeah. Not the smoothest transition I've ever done, but I'm trying to click 15 different things at the same time. Uh, let's see. We've also got... No one fights like Gaston. Algorithm and Blues. Paul Miles pausing the dad jokes to wish the players transferring the best of luck, thanks, and War Eagle. Well, that's nice. Rod- <laughs> Rhodesian Mudflap? I don't know what that is. Sounds like something that was probably cooked for Christmas dinner. Uh, Rich Reimer. Rusty Owen, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, Todd Robinson, WD Richie hoping for the Fav. Five, yeah, the the yeah, no kidding. Wiggle Wiggle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, uh, Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 1920s. <laughs> Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D, David Simpson, Di Bama is locked in the freezer at Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous daughter. <laughs> Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season. Just know I'm still thinking it. Uh, Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson. Steve Houston, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. John, I had some Mad Reaper Pepper Company Reaper Madness yesterday with my Christmas food. They, um, Maddie's boyfriend was here, and he cooked some uh, wings. And I put some, he didn't put the hot sauce on them. They put, like, some seasoning <laughs> stuff on them. And so I put a little Mad Reaper on them, and it was some Reaper madness going on here. That stuff's potent. I needed there to be snow on the ground so I could run outside and dive into it and, like, eat it or something. It it is potent. Uh, A few more patrons left. Alex Wynn, AU Falling Up, Barls Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Regus, and finally... Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. Uh, we uh, we got to get better at celebrating. I hope we will be uh, come this weekend. I am Tiger, Evil HR Director of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. I'm sorry to hear they have an Evil HR Director there. I, I remember the Evil HR Director where I used to work. Uh, oh, <laughs> there's a... There's a I'm John Ringer, and I was hoping I had a sound clip of that somewhere. Oh, I bet I do. I, you know what? I'm John Ringer. There it is. I knew I had it somewhere. <laughs> I knew I had it somewhere. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory. We could have a nice, fun argument between John and John between with the soundboard. You know, we could have you competing against yourself in in the soundboard. That'd be fun. Jim McCrory, John Atsuki, John Stubbs, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brains Brains always remind us that the barbecue you has failed, failed for the last, last time. time. Mark Squire, MVP, Kath- captivating Kathy Bright, and since it's 
Christmas, I'm not going to say you don't have any friends. I'm going to say... Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. That's fair. Uh, Newark Tiger is heading to Nashville. War Eagle. Well, so am I. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky! I'm at the bottom of this list because... God bless it! You can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Go to www.auwishbone.com. And let me see. I will now click on the famous... Up, ah, up. Ah, it's time for... Hello, Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Ulbrich, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 107. And if I sound a little off, it's because I picked up some disease or diseases while I was at Dragon Con last weekend. Last and weekend? I am still on my deathbed, but I didn't want to leave you hanging. So we got a send-in from Josh Benefield. Yeah, and let's see worse. what Josh sent in. Trick play, watch out. They got a guy crouched. And they had it off. He comes around, and the trick play works for a first down. You called it, Jess. You got to watch out for the trick play. That was who wound up with a football. He's just crouched. You see him right there. He's going to get the handoff. All the action going the other way. The trick play fools. All right, guys. I'll see you in the hint file. Oh, man. If we're kind of rusty on these, it's been a while. I was going to say, I am rusty. I want to thank Jared for his dedication he came in and recorded this while he was sick, and then we used it six months later. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. Yeah, it's dated 9-11, and it was indeed a 9-11 from Jared, but he got it out um, there. So, yeah. so this was clearly Auburn, a Gus period, running the Woody play where he would hide the sky, smaller mm-hmm. guy behind the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and then do the handoff with the smaller player as a deceptive thing. And I believe we were uh, hearing Brent Musburger and Jesse Palmer, right? Yeah, it was definitely Jesse Palmer. I think it was Musburger as well. Yeah. So it uh, it been a little while, right? I think since they did a game, unless it was a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, who did we used to use in the little? Was it Ryan Williams or somebody? Um, yes. Uh, those little receivers. I don't think we used Shivers in that role. No, I don't think so. I think when he was a freshman, we used Trey Mason in that role. Mm-hmm. Um. Because he was a lot smaller then. But uh, Ryan Williams was another one. Um, I don't know who else. So is there a game you could think of when we ran it on fourth and short? No, it's, I, I am drawing a blank on this. I mean, it's I, we use the sweep so much with our receivers that the, the little hide, the little guy behind the line play, I just none of those come to mind as like a particularly notable moment. I'm sure I'm forgetting a good one, which is this one, but I, and clearly if it was Musburger and if it wasn't Jesse Palmer, then it was a fairly big game, not an SEC matchup of the week, but like maybe like us. It could have been the Washington game or one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Or a bowl game. Like you said, it was some kind of odd game. It, to me, it seems like it must have been some random non-SEC road game at Kansas State or something like that. Yeah, but I, mm-hmm. I'm drawing. I'm gonna have to go to the clues. Yeah, go to the go to the hint file. Let's go to the hint file. Here on the hint file, let's get rid of the bleeps. Trick play. Watch out! They got a guy crouched. 
And they hand it off. He comes around, and the trick play works for a first down. You called it, Jess. You got to watch out for the trick play. That was Ryan Davis who wound up with a football. He's just crouched. You see him right there. He's going to get the handoff. All the action <laughs> going the other way. The trick play fools Texas A&M. All right, gentlemen. I'll see you in the answer file. I, well, we had we had the just, right player. I I yeah. said Williams instead of Davis, but you knew who I meant when I Ryan said Ryan Davis. I, our small receiver that caught a yes. gazillion yes. swing passes and stuff. Yes. And so I think was this the was this in the 2000. 13 game? I think that's too early. Well, what what he on the 17 team that's like the big receiver on the on the that that stood him through to? Yes. So either 17 or 18, no, 17, 16, 15. Uh, I'm going to say that was either fifth we beat them in 15, we lost to them in 14, we beat them in 15, we beat them in do we beat them in 16? Mm-hmm. I think it's between 15 and 17. Let's say 17. All right. I'm willing to go with that. Let's go with 2017. Let's see what we got. All right. Van, John, if you guys figured out that this is Auburn playing Texas A&M in 2015 with the little hidden man play back there, well, you guessed right. I want to thank Josh Benefield for sending that in. If you'd like to send in a play for Guess the Game, you can reach out to me on X or Facebook or Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can send me an email at Jared. That's J-A-R-R-O-D. At theyardsaleartist.com if I am still alive, and uh, we'll check in on that next time. But until then, Van, John, we know he's still alive because he's live. Oh, there went his. Oh, his machine just quit. We know he's still alive because he's been alive to complain every week about this. Not, he's always done it in good humor, though. That's always just been a no, running if joke. If you, if you have not paid attention to that, it's been a funny ongoing thing online where, yeah. as Vaid does worst coaches of the world, Jared's like, wait, where's Guess the Game? And and it's been this funny ongoing <laughs> you thing. You have time for that, but you don't have time for <laughs> But it's fine. It's really funny. But now that we, – we, I said 15 to 17, so we were in the right yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. But we I, had the right range, and I yeah. threw down a marker in the wrong one. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah well. We that was rusty. That, that was that weird year that we somehow we had our worst Gus team. We've already established this episode that that was the worst Gus team, and we went into College Station and beat a ranked Texas A&M team and I, with with Jerry uh, Jeremy Johnson. And I will never a million years understand how we did that, but okay. I had to go back and find that one on YouTube just to watch and go like, huh, huh, huh. Okay. Uh, let's see. And I guess now it's time for the. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Then so be it. So be it. So what have we got this week, if anything? We got a couple of emails. One's from Auburn Elvis correcting us on something we said. Remember last week we had somebody who made a comment about Zoe Slaughter. And he and Auburn Elvis emailed us in, emailed us in to say, FYI, the listener name said they wanted a Zoe Slaughter jersey referenced Auburn volleyball player Zoe Slaughter. Uh, so that's not someone that you and I knew off the top of our no. heads. And when the listener referenced it, we missed it. So glad to, thank glad you to find for out. correcting us. The name, yeah. All right. And then our other email is from <laughs> Justin Yeager, who said, just finished the 12 days of Auburn Christmas. I just want to share the feeling of dread that washed over me on day four when I realized we were going to do all 12 days. (laughs) (laughs) 
when he when he realized we were gonna do all four days, he said, "No!" no! I'll stop it right there. But that's you that get the Justin. idea. That was yeah. it. That was it. Yeah. All right. All that's right. it for Worcester questions. You sent, feel free to send in yours. Uh, also, send in a suggestion, Jared, to guess the game because we're going to have to pile those back up. But send them in, uh, you know, bowl game thoughts, recruiting thoughts, whatever you got. That's it. All right. And we're going to fire up the Albie Mobile. Let's take a trip around the FTC. I want you to put the word out there. All right. What do we got? Uh, LSU lost its excellent offensive coordinator to Notre Dame, Mike Dembrock. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, oh, oh, oh! And while you, since you've broached the topic, did you hear that the same noises that LSU's coach Kelly was making at Notre Dame, he's making now? He wants to get into the Big Ten. I, I did hear that. I did hear them say. I heard the you know the stuff like if Harbaugh leaves, he'd be interested in Michigan and that kind of stuff too. So. Mm. Mm. Okay, turmoil among our main rivals is always a good thing. Not gonna not gonna bother me. No. So he went to to Notre Dame, the offensive coordinator. Yep, and that was the best. Again, he cashed in because they had a Heisman Trophy quarterback and some stud receivers that are all leaving, and he's going to be starting over from Grand Zero. So I think he, the, you know. Uh, Got a raise and jumped to other schools. So. Did he come from there with Kelly? I think he no. I think he originally came from Cincinnati the year they went to the playoffs. Oh, okay, I think he was that. All player, right. I believe so. All right. And then Ole Miss signed a couple more impact prospects. They signed Walter Nolan from AM, so they definitely have the number one transfer class. And mm. but now we're into hype pressure. Much is expected. Yep. yep. Bingo. Ding 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 ding. ding. There it is. Ole Miss. You are now on the clock for your first. I love that this is happening when there's no more divisions. And so even if they get to Atlanta, finally, they can say they can never say they won the West. Nope, it's true. That's it. Never did it. So they've got the great transfer class coming in. They're going to be butt kickers. We'll see. Uh, I would love to see Ole Miss beat Alabama or be a stir things up a little bit. I like stirring things up. I think it's, it's better when there's some churn going on. They don't play us. I hope they run rampant through the SEC. There it is. You you <laughs> nailed that. Yeah, we don't play them this year. So they they knock yourselves out, Rebels. Feel Do free. Do all kinds of damage. Do what you want. You have a good time out there, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. So here's SEC Bowl games. Wednesday, A&M versus Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl. I've made my bowl pick them on that one, and it may be controversial. Again, A&M has a lot of talent, but they also fired their head coach. Mm-hmm. I think. Oklahoma State, steady. Mm. Uh, and so it's the certainty versus uncertainty a little bit. So this will be interesting to see. It is. It is. That's in the Texas Bowl. Um, Friday, December 29th, Clemson versus Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. And early, that's in the 11 o'clock time slot of death. Clemson-Kentucky is one of those matchups that you you first hear it and you think, uh, but the more you think about it, I, I think, in my opinion, the more you think about it, the more you're like, that's a pretty good matchup this year. It's two teams that two teams that could have been better, and I can't really decide which one's going to be better on the day. Agree. I, I think it could be a good game, right? I mean, I think it could be. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a fun, explosive kind of offensive football game, but I think it could be a competitive game. Yeah. 
For sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So also Friday and that night, Missouri plays Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. I did not see that coming. If you told me Missouri after last year would be in the would be playing Ohio State in a cot in a in a in a game like that, I'd be like, what? But they old drink would put it together. Again, they and it's and it's a who like Missouri may be really excited, Ohio State may be like we're disappointed to be here kind of thing, and that may really contribute to them too. So yeah. I'm to say. Oh sure, yeah, Missouri's got a lot of uh, motivation to because it's not something that, that they do. Ohio State be like, yeah, Cotton Bowl, who cares? I don't even not even going to put any effort into it. So yeah, and then we go to Missouri right this coming uh, in 2024. Mm-hmm. So oh man, it'll be a little early scouting match. A little scouting, yeah, I'd like to see that. Looking forward to that one. Okay, Saturday the 30th, Ole Miss, Penn State in the Peach Bowl, which should be fun. Yeah. I mean, two talented teams, and I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Penn, uh, Ole Miss matches up against Penn State. And, you know, I, I like it. I think Penn State was talented, but they couldn't break through and win the Big Ten this year. But yeah, And this is a chance for Ole Miss to kind of make start, begin to make their statement on the expectations we've been talking about. Well, we played Penn State the last two years and played them pretty close, but obviously it didn't work out either time because uh, for so many reasons. But, but yeah, let's see if they can do it. Let's see what happens there. It is kind of funny to me Ole Miss finally makes a big bowl game and it's the Peach Bowl, which nothing against the Peach Bowl other than it's not the Orange Bowl, you know, the, you know, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, whatever. It's the Peach Bowl. So. That's one of those bowls that's a lot bigger now than it used to be. Oh, yeah. Because of the stadium and everything. Uh, and then, of course, uh, that afternoon, Auburn, Maryland, and the Music City Bowl. We've talked about that one. And then the, a little bit after that, 3 o'clock Central, Georgia, Florida State in the – what do we want to call this one? The We All Hate Alabama Bowl? The – we got we left are out. disappointed. The, like the left behind bowl. bowl. It's the like left behind the, bowl. The TV yeah. series about Bro. people left behind after the rapture. That's this Georgia yes. Florida State game. Yes. Oh, I like that a lot. The left behind bowl. I just see Georgia and Florida State fans standing there at the bus stop, and the bus is driving away, and they're just standing there with their luggage, like, "What happened? Where did they go?" Yeah. Yeah. The rapture has happened, and. As everybody expected, Georgia and Florida State fans got left behind. That's not a surprise to anybody that listens to this program. That George, that the rapture happens, and Georgia and Florida State fans are still here. There's a shock for everybody. January first, yeah, LSU and Wisconsin, the ReliaQuest Bowl, whatever that is. It's on January first, so it can't be that bad. It used to be out the Outback. Oh, okay. Make up. I hate my change the names. Uh, and then a little bit after that, an hour later, Tennessee versus Iowa. I feel like we've seen Tennessee Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. Doesn't Iowa go to the Citrus Bowl every other year? Feels like I it. don't know, but this is a fun matchup just because it's Tennessee's great offense against Iowa's great defense, hmm. and what's going to happen? Yeah, there you go. We'll see. All right, then we get to the playoffs Monday, January first, Alabama, Michigan at four Central. And then Washington, Texas at 745 Central. I, I mean, I really need Michigan to take. I feel like Michigan's the best of the four, and I need them to take care of business. You put that stake through the vampire's heart, John. You don't give him another game. You put the, you end the misery immediately. And I, and I, don't, wanna, I don't want Alabama getting a, getting a rematch with Texas either because that doesn't feel good to me. I like Texas. I think they're a good team. I think they're well-coached and – have a lot of talent across the board. So, I, I mean, uh, the other part is, I honestly, I genuinely believe any of these four teams could win. I mean, Washington yeah. has a great quarterback, great receivers. They have some good good linemen. Um, and we, Michigan and Alabama are both very talented. I, and I think this is an opportunity for Michigan to prove that, you know, 
part of what happened uh, last year was a fluke uh, that they can come out and play in these games, and I think they're. I think it'll oh, give Alabama. All they I want. forgot about that. Oh no. Oh no. We're relying on Michigan after what they did last year, and you know that is one thing that drove me up the wall. All these alleged experts saying how, in hindsight, how could we have ever let TCU in the playoffs the way Georgia beat them? What a mistake it was to let TCU in the playoffs. How stupid let TCU in the playoffs. I'm like, they beat Michigan. It's not like they got blown out in the first round. They made it to the championship game with a big win. Well, and they were the major undefeated major conference team that won the title. So they yes. should have been in there kind of like Florida yes. State should be. In. Yes. I... I I, I think of these four, Washington to me looked the weakest during the season when I watched the four when I watched these four play. It, it's fair, but I also think like I genuinely believe Oregon is really good and they beat Oregon twice. Yeah, they did. So. Yeah, they did. But that could have been kind of a matchup thing too, is what I worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they had no, good defensive backs, they were able to kind of contain Bo. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to rely on the second game to stop Alabama. I want them stopped immediately. <laughs> Amen. Michigan, you are the blunt instrument whose job in life now is to drive that stake through the heart. Get it done. And then you have a, your usual non-conference game to watch this week. At Thursday, the twenty-eighth in the evening, late evening is uh, the Alamo Bowl. Is Arizona and Oklahoma, hmm. and number one, Oklahoma is joining the conference next year. We're going to play them in Jordan Hare, so we get a, a bit of a lead on that. But also, Arizona is a was dead as a doorknob two years ago. They were terrible, and now they're really fun and they score a ton of points. And mm-hmm. I think they got a real shot of winning this game. So I think this is going to be an entertaining bowl game. I'm not going to tell you who I picked in that one, but I certainly took all that into consideration for sure. All right. That's that. Uh, I think we've covered everything, and uh, it's uh, it's been a good Christmas break so far, and uh, I hope you uh, continue having a good break till the New Year's. I second that. I hope you and you and yours and your family enjoy some time away from everything and rest, recharge, come back in the new year, ready to talk about bowl games, basketball, recruits, everything else. In a few days, programming note, John and I will be recording our annual holiday Lord of the Rings trivia battle. This will be like our seventh year or something of doing it. you got to be running out of cards at this point. Let me just ship you some new ones pretty soon. But uh, So check, keep an eye on, out for that, and we'll, uh, we'll have that up. So, all right, our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, Van? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.